Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hello, my friends, and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name is Hayden Winks. Still on the road out here in California. Hayden, I gave you some homework. I'm sure you forgot. Maybe you didn't. You're a responsible guy. New Year's resolution. What is it? Well, I had a couple. We'll talk about the professional one first. Um, Started career just learning about fantasy football, doing all that. Then learned how to code the last couple years. I'm proud of those two things. The next thing for me is video production stuff. So this next year, going to learn how to edit a little bit, going to be able to add a little elements to this channel. And I think some cool stuff on social media and stuff too. So I think that's kind of the next wave of the future is knocking one little thing out. So those that's my main professional one. What a year it's been. Uh, a year ago, you and I were still co-workers at this time. And once again, we're back here as co-workers. This best ball season, this season for, for Underdog has been unbelievable. I mean, the company is just a, what, a year and a half old at this point in dog years. Um, and it's only going to get better. And I, I can't wait. Justin Herzig put out a tweet a couple days ago saying like a handful of years ago, 99% of the people out there wouldn't even know what best ball was if you mentioned it to them. We've started to, you know, chip away at that percentile. And I think it's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, especially with how this season has gone. It's been a lot of fun to try to keep up with the injury news and especially the COVID news. But it's it's a bit of a burden and a bear at times. And so with all these great games that Underdog puts out there, um, more than ever, I think people are are more open to changing the the traditional ways that they've, you know, play this great game of fantasy football and fantasy sports in general. I think best ball is the best way to do that. Yeah. It's just, you can't, especially this year, you couldn't have 10 best plus fantasy leagues. You would have right. gone crazy. Like that's just way too much. And I think the other part of that is best ball makes fantasy football a year round event. And I think a lot of people, myself included, were doing like mock drafts in like June. Cause we can't, we refuse to go outside and try to meet girls and all that stuff. <laughs> so, so we were doing mock drafts in the streets now we don't have to do mock drafts. We can right. do actual drafts because it turns out there's hundreds of thousands of sickos just like me who instead yep. of doing vocal mock drafts with their girlfriend pretending like she has any idea what to do on the wraparound, now we can actually do uh, – we can talk about correlation and stacking uh, in round 16 and 17. Can't beat right. that. Yeah, and, and thousands of those sickos are going to watch this program and listen to it as well. So I, I'm glad we're all in this together. Yeah, I mean you can max in her puppies. You can max in her big dogs. You can max in her best ball mini, and it's only going to get better as we go along here. So shout out to Underdog. Shout out to Hayden. Shout out to all of you for supporting us here on this channel, and it's only going to get better. I, I can't wait to have a little time off and to reflect and um, see how we can improve in certain ways. Okay, that's it. Just a little monologue to start. We've got a bunch to hit on here in week 17 because no Thursday games. And I'm so glad that we have moved this preview show to Friday because in each of the last, what, two weeks, there has been massive news that has dropped either Thursday night 
or or Friday morning. We'll get to that in a moment. As always, you can go check out Hayden's Fantasy Football Blueprint, which is on underblog.underdogfantasy.com. He'll drop the link in the chat for all of you. We'll go because there's so many games on Sunday and start off with the 1 p.m. window and most notably the five-point Kansas City Chiefs going to the Cincinnati Bengals. Total of 51 in this game. Chiefs have won eight straight games after starting the season three and four. I don't want to start off being pessimistic, but I do want to make this statement. It feels like we've been here before, Hayden, with the Bengals. It was like a big win or a big few performances in a row. We think they've arrived. We crown them a little bit. We get really optimistic on their future. And now they face arguably their toughest test of the year. Are you the best team in the NFL and one that is just absolutely on a tear of their own? Yeah, totally agree. This seems like it could be a game where like, oh, yeah, the the Bengals are a cool team, but they're not the Super Bowl Chiefs. So I was looking at some of the coverages because we're obviously talking about Joe Burrow and his top two receivers here, most importantly. And the Chiefs sense trading for Melvin Ingram, their fourth in EPA per play. But it even goes beyond that, I think, for this matchup. The Chiefs use middle of the field open coverage, which is uh, two high shells. Think cover two, cover four, those type of uh, coverages at the fourth highest rate. When Joe Burrow is facing those types of coverages, his yards per attempt is 7.6. When it's single high coverages like it was last week, and we talked about this against the Ravens, that jumps from 7.6 to 10.6. That, so that's a massive difference. And I think what the, the Chiefs do better than a lot of teams is they shut down perimeter receivers more, and they make sure that your running backs, your tight ends, your slot receivers are beating beating you. So this is a game where... I'm a little bit nervous. Zach Taylor says, okay, we just coming off our highest neutral pass rate game of the year. Right. It's time to get Joe Mixon cooking again. And this is going to be a little bit of a less like downfield threat game than we saw last week. It feels just when you put in perspective of what the Bengals did last week, that they're capable of doing that to just about anyone. And maybe they would be able to, but something we bring up on the show is, as you just outlined, Zach Taylor doesn't allow them to be, or, or doesn't want to, you know, take that chance. And while we've seen it a couple of times this year, and most notably against the Ravens twice, exactly what you laid out in terms of coverages is, is why it's happened against the Ravens here. But when you isolate it just for the Bengals and what they've done in terms of their youth, this is from NFL research. And I'm going to cite NFL research a lot this show because they've done excellent work here towards the end of the season. Cincinnati is the only team in NFL history with a 4,000-yard passer, a 1,000-yard rusher, and multiple 1,000-yard receivers, all age 25 or younger. I mean, what a nucleus they have to build off of. This is – I don't want to you know, be hyperbolic here, but this could be a crossroads moment for Zach Taylor and this team the rest of the way. Like, in order to be true, true, true contenders, we think they need to lean into the best part – of their team, which is that passing game, which is all the explosive elements that they have, or they can go the way, which is solid yet unspectacular of just picking up what the defense is giving them. And I, I think that this is a great test for that because they're going to have to keep up again with a total of 51 in this game. Yeah. So this is like a situation where I'm still relatively optimistic because they've been so good. So I have Joe Burrow right on that QB one, two border, same with T Higgins and Jamar chase on the wide receiver one, two border. But I always like looking at this chart when you're looking at projected points this week and offensive pace. The Bengals are right down there in the middle of the pack. So this is an opportunity where I think that the Chiefs 
could be able to take care of business. And I think I'm more optimistic with what the Chiefs offense could do against this Bengals defense. We've got to remember the Bengals defense's stats are okay, but they face by far the easiest strength of schedule in the NFL. Travis Kelsey's back. Tyreek Hill is back. And I think that those two are going to get really start to get cooking here. Um, so I really have Patrick Mahomes ranked pretty highly, and I moved Tyreek Hill all the way back up. Do want to note, though, Tyreek Hill is the perfect example last week. Yes. We're starting to see this little trend where players coming off the COVID list are struggling in the first week back. You you hear it, players losing weight like Tyler Lockett sense. this week. So I think that there's one advantage to have is to know if a player is symptomatic coming off the list or not coming off the list. Because I'm guessing, and I don't have any data, but this just makes sense to me, that a symptomatic player coming off the list is going to struggle a little bit more because he's dealing with some of these breathing problems. So it's something to try to monitor. If you can find that information, go for it. It's really tough to find, but I think that is one little thing to keep in the back of your head when you're dealing with like sit-start decisions. A player coming off the COVID list that we know is symptomatic, the floor is at least a little bit lower there. And when the NFL pivoted over to self-reporting based on symptoms, I know a lot of people took the conclusion of, well, they're just not going to do that. They're athletes. They want to play through it. They want to play games. I mean, I'm sure you know a bunch of people that have had the coronavirus. We have witnessed a whole bunch of people have it. It knocks you out a lot of times when you experience symptoms, two, three, four a week, you know? And so coming off of that with respiratory issues, it's not just in this sport. We've seen it in the PL and things in Europe as well, where people just aren't, aren't 100%. Um, one more note on the Chiefs and just how effective and efficient they've been. Again, we've talked about how they aren't hitting as many explosive plays from this year in totality versus last year. The Chiefs are on pace to become the first team to convert 50-plus percent of their third downs since the 2011 Saints. So maybe Patrick Mahomes took a little piece of Drew Brees in terms of his efficiency and shorter passes. And there are some names that are like really notable here for, again, the best ball mania two finals, which he and I might do something for on Sunday. We're still trying to figure that out. But it's uh, that is happening this weekend, and someone's going to win a million dollars from playing best ball. And the name at like there's a lot in this one singular game. T. Higgins is the eighth highest uh, owned player, rostered player with 38. Joe Mixon at 35, which, which makes him 10th. But Byron Pringle is like a leverage spot here. He's all the way up at the 17th highest rostered player, only drafted in just over 9,000 teams of the 13,000 possible. So he's on 28 of the 160 teams that have made it here to the Best Ball Mania 2 Finals. That's pretty crazy. Um, I have Daryl Williams written down as well as a player that could just be popping off randomly. He's had 16.2 expected half PPR points in the six games without Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, we have talked about Derek Gore being in the mix in last week. Derek Gore was playing a little bit even before Clyde Edwards Hilaire's injury. So it's something to monitor. I think that if you're really desperate in a crazy deep league, Derek Gore could be somebody that could be a flex play. But I think that Daryl Williams is, is like belongs in the upside uh, RB2 conversation. And just big picture this week, there's like 20 running backs that I'm like kind of happy to be starting. I feel like right. all of a sudden this is like a little bit deeper. I don't know if it's just because of some of the depth issues and like all of a sudden we have like certified bell cows at more positions instead of split backfields. But um, there's a lot of good running backs. Like I, I thought I was going to be ranking Daryl Williams higher than RB20, but like a lot of the names in front of them are like really good plays as well. This is such a great game. 
This is, I cannot wait to watch this one, especially with how Burrow is staying calm under pressure. And when he has that hot read, man, he's hitting it. He's hitting it so well. And those times when I went back and watched um, when he wasn't handling pressure roads because there was nothing hot, there was nothing open immediately. So he did have to eat it. Yeah. Again, I outlined for the Bengals like T Higgins, again, 160 teams are fighting it out for a million dollars in best ball mania two finals. This weekend, T. Higgins is on 38. Joe Mixon's on 35. Jamar Chase is all the way down there at just 10. Just 10 teams have him out of 160. So if this is a big chase game, one that we haven't had, I don't know, for two or three weeks. Like we had a big one last week. That's not fair. Um, then, then he's absolutely a leverage play. Okay. Rams, Ravens. Rams on the road, four and a half point favorites, total of 46 and a half. Let's lay out the news here first. It sounds like Lamar Jackson got in a limited practice earlier on this week than was not seen. I believe that was on, on Thursday. So all, I guess, tea leaves point to Tyler Huntley being back in this game for the Ravens. He will start. And, for okay. sure. He will start. And so we've seen the Rams change their ways, power rushing. Sony Michelle is dominating this backfield, especially with Hendo. Uh, bouncing out after his lone carry last week. What are you expecting to see from this game? So with Tyler Huntley out, the Ravens offense has looked kind of similar, but the way that they're doing, they're using their pass game has changed a lot. And it's mostly affected Marquise Brown negatively and Mark Andrews positively because Lamar Jackson throws the ball way more downfield than Tyler Huntley and Josh Johnson have done that. And Marquise Brown's a dot has been 12.1 yards downfield with Lamar with Huntley. It's down to nine. And obviously the, the um, reverse is true for Mark Andrews. And that's why Mark Andrews, I think has been balling. It's because I think that Huntley doesn't want to throw the ball downfield in ways that Lamar feels comfortable. So I think that some of these splits are kind of, there's like a reason for that. And Mark Andrews, that's why he's the number one in uh, the rostered rate for the finals. And he's just been absolutely amazing. I don't see any reason to change that. But I do want to note yet yeah, the split, the big difference in this offense, because Huntley can do a, a lot of the things Lamar can do as a scrambler and the read option and all that stuff. He's not going to throw the ball 30 yards downfield, right? At the same rate as Lamar Jackson. Yeah. There's a period of time where it was Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields that were leading the NFL in terms of air yards per attempt. And Tyler Huntley, while he's fun, while he can create sp- space for himself while he's hitting really open receivers and leading them like Mark Andrews. So he could create after the catch is a different, a different talent. And I'm glad you, you outlined that. Um, yeah. Mark Andrews, as you mentioned, there are 160 teams. I'll keep repeating it in best one, many two finals this weekend. He's on 105 of them. 65% of the teams in the finals have Mark Andrews. It's not out of the realm of possibility. We call Mark Andrews, like the fantasy MVP this year, other than Cooper cup, other than what Debo Samuel, because what Mark Andrews has done to lift, do the heavy lifting for your team to get him to these spots. It's, it's absolutely crazy when considering how he kind of like fell under the blanket talking about so much of the Travis Kelsey's Darren Waller's George Kittles and Kyle Pitts. And then, Hey, Mark Andrews was kind of just sitting there as a tight end five. What's so crazy is I think Lamar Jackson, only three of those teams made the finals. So what you had to do this year wow. is you had to draft Mark Andrews and not draft Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, we've really nailed this fantasy football thing, haven't we? Uh, on the other side with the Rams, I mean, we know we talk about every single week. The Ravens secondary is, is abysmal in terms of stopping explosive plays and in terms of tackling and only it only gets worse. Um, the Ravens have allowed 10 different 10 different 100-yard receivers this season. That's easily the most in the NFL. So just looking at these 
teams in the finals for, for players. Cooper Cup is on 73, which is the next player after Mark Andrews. Odell's on 11. Maybe the one that could explode here in terms of explosive plays, Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson is playing a ton of snaps still. Van Jefferson is on five teams in the finals this weekend. I think that what we talked about last week with Joe Burrow and how the single high stuff has been really effective for them, I can say the same exact thing about Matthew Stafford. Against single high defenses like the Ravens use, Stafford has the highest success rate in the third highest yards per attempt per sports info solutions. And it makes sense for the same exact reasons with Joe Burrow. You have outside receivers that can win downfield uh, in Joe Burrow's stance. In Matthew Stafford's stance, he can just throw the ball all over the field and some of those backside dig routes and all those uh, post routes and corner routes. I think those are going to be right in the middle of the playbook and it helps that Andrew Whitworth comes out. So I think this is a week where you can start basically everybody. I really like the matchup that um, Odell Beckham has. But Cooper Cup, obviously the number one fantasy wide receiver. And I think once again, just because Daryl Henderson's out for uh, basically for the year, this is going to be another week to use Sony Michelle as a top 10 running back as well. Sony Michelle, I think, is only on seven of these teams. This this week. He wasn't drafted that much. He was only drafted like in like 25% of Best Ball Mania 2 drafts period. Yeah, less than 4,000 drafts. And amazing. Absolutely yep. amazing. Um, the difference between Odell and Greg Rosenthal pointed out in the around the NFL. Show I'm sure you guys listen to that one. We all do. Uh, that basically Odell has played the same number of games with the Browns this season as as the Rams. The receptions, the yardage totals are very similar. But something you and I have talked at length about in the usage show and in this preview show is the difference in end zone targets and touchdowns. I mean, he has four touchdowns here with the Rams, and so much of it because no team throws more inside the ten, no team throws more inside the five than the Rams do. And they are allowing him to win small one-on-one in the end zone in terms of slants and creating separation. And then you see goal line fades too, or just go up and get it and climb the ladder. And so that out of element, they don't have that throughout. Like Tyler Higbee has been really efficient in terms of his targets inside the 10-yard line this year. And Odell is that added element for them to score touchdowns. Do you think it's fair to say that Sonny Michelle sets the tone for this Rams team? Is that something that we like to believe in? I, I think he's the engine. I think what we see is they either with Cooper Cup or with Tyler Higby or multiple offensive linemen, they run some heavy personnel. And look, man, he he is he is what gives them rhythm, create manageable third and shorts. That's what Sony Michelle has been doing here. And we absolutely love to see it. Okay. Enough on that game. I'm kind of surprised. I know it's moved from four and a half to five and a half, but the Rams, this isn't like for their strengths. This lines up perfectly for them. This lines up perfectly to to create those explosive plays down the field because we know that like they create their their shorter gains in their ground game, which is very different than what Hendo was doing. All right. Next up, Miami and Tennessee, a measly total of 39 and a half. The Titans are three and a half point favorites here. What's the latest on, and hopefully you have this, on AJ Brown? Because he was being held out of practice at points this week, we know last week he took over after his first catch was in the middle of the second quarter. He then goes out there and gets five straight third and uh, third down conversions. Ryan Tannehill was very impactful in that, but we've seen, again, Ryan Tannehill shrivel up and just lose some confidence and not be able to hit big plays without A.J. Brown out there. A.J. Brown's one of those players, like kind of like DeAndre Hopkins, where when he's not practicing, I really don't pay attention to it because he doesn't practice a lot, and then he usually goes out there and toughens it out. So I'm assuming he's going to play, assuming he does, I really like what the Titans could do here, kind of. And it's a little underrated storyline is the Titans, their three highest neutral pass rate games of the year have just happened to come in the three games 
where Derrick Henry's been out and A.J. Brown has been in. So to me, it makes sense that they would pass the ball all over the yard. And teams have been trying to pass the ball on the Dolphins a little bit more as well, just because um, of what the, the Dolphins have like a really boom bust approach on defense. And I think this could oh, yeah. be a week where we get a big boom from A.J. Brown. I think that A.J. Brown in NFL best ball playoffs makes a lot of sense. I think that I have him ranked inside this top five, assuming that he is healthy. What he did last week when it comes to usage is what we know he can do as a playmaker. Um, they really need him. Like I, I, You can make an argument that no team needs their wide receiver more than the Titans need A.J. Brown right now. So it doesn't mean that he's the best receiver in the league, but the drop-off in talent behind him and how reliant Ryan Tannehill is on him, he's basically this entire offense, and I think this should be a week to get uh, a one, one more massive game for A.J. Brown. Boom bus is a really good way of putting this Dolphins defense. We know how much they love to give different looks and confuse offensive lines. And at every single week, we say that the Titans run blocking is quite good. Their pass blocking is among the worst in the league. And even last week when A.J. Brown went off, Ryan Tannehill was having to either escape the pocket, roll to his left, make something happen on extended plays, or he was getting blasted in the pocket and still making those conversions. That is so tough to do week in and week out. And, I mean, this, everyone knows, the Dolphins started off 0-7, and now they've won seven straight, right? Um, Over their last, like, seven games winning – they face Tyrod Taylor, Lamar Jackson, Joe Flacco, Cam Newton, Mike Glennon, Zach Wilson, Ian Book. I could either see Ryan Tannehill stopping that or just being added to that list because those are the kind of performances that we get for Ryan Tannehill that you could make the case for him to wind up on either side of that column, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's going to be on the other side of the column. I think that Ryan Tannehill is way too good compared to those guys. So I think it's just an opportunity for the Titans to kind of flex their muscles a little bit. They're still trying to get the number one seed. Like they need the, the chiefs to lose and then they to win out. But if that happens, they would be the number one seed. And yeah, I think they're going to go all out here. So I'd be pretty surprised if uh, AJ Brown misses this game, unless he had like a legit injury. I mean, these teams, they're not inept offensively. If AJ Brown's out there, I mean, you can make the case for the Titans. You can make the case for the dolphins and how they play while it can be slow at times. They at least have Jalen Waddle out there and, you know, Devontae Parker and, and Mike Gesicki. And when given, you know, the right look, they can definitely make things happen. The total of 39 and a half is a little bit surprising to me, Hayden. But I guess with the Titans, one of their, I mean, their strength on defense is absolutely their front and it's how they mix and match things defensively. The Titans are one of two teams to have three players with seven plus sacks a season. It's Harold Landry, it's Simmons, it's Danico Autry. Um, and going up against Tua, who does not like to hold the football for too long, when he does, he shows some pretty good pocket movement. But at least, like, the key for them is getting Jalen Waddle back, who they got back last week, and the offense just flows through him. And I love, and we talked about in the usage show, love the new wrinkles of getting him into the backfield because that's getting him on the move where he's so, so fluid and also just creating manufactured space for him. Yeah, totally agree with that. The Dolphins, the running back situation got so muddied up last week, we can basically ignore that. And it's just Jalen Waddle dominating over Devontae Parker. Uh, Gesicki has some splits when both Waddle and Parker are in the lineup. So I had to drop him a couple spots in my rankings. Um, this is a game that has a little bit of a weather element. Most of the games do. It is mm. obviously New Year's Eve. Um, but Packers, seven degree weather. The Detroit Seahawks game ha- is like windy, rainy, all that stuff. And then one of these games right here, the Dolphins, Titans, 33% chance of rain, 33 degrees, 14 miles an hour. 
once you kind of factor all three of those things in, I think that's why these totals have been tanking throughout the day. So we'll have a better picture on Sunday morning, but this is one of those games you have to pay attention to when it comes to the weather. Yeah, as, as Hayden mentioned, we'll be back here on Sunday morning and we'll start us off at 10 a.m. I'll jump on at 11 a.m. We'll go through a whole bunch of last minute news, help you with a ton of pick em slips, our favorite ones, um, and get you ready to win that championship. I'm so glad so many of you are in it. It's so cool to see so many either of your best Mania two teams, puppy teams, big dog, whatever, and getting those because we had so much fun drafting this summer with all of it, but also just your regular, I don't know, Yahoo or NFL or ESPN teams are making it to the finals. And uh, we're glad that we could help that a little bit more. And by the way, I know we keep mentioning best one Mania two because it's a million freaking dollars to whoever wins a best ball tournament, which is absolutely nuts. If you've never played one, there's playoff best ball. Two, there's already best ball for 2022 up there on underdog. And three, go and play Pick'em. Pick'em's the best game out there for me. So uh, go use promo code the show. Whatever you deposit, you get back. And you can find that either in the App Store, Underdog Fantasy, or on desktop as well. Okay, next game. Let's do it. Atlanta Falcons, Buffalo Bills. Bills are 14 and a half point favorites here. Falcons on the road. Again, a total of 44. So last week with the Bills... It was a fun, fun game to watch against the Patriots because while we really liked Gabriel Davis heading into that one, he was out with COVID. Cole Beasley, out with COVID. Both are back, but now maybe unseating isn't the right word, but we saw some beautiful magic and music made between Isaiah McKenzie and Josh Allen from the slot against man beaters. So with both those names back, and I know Emmanuel Sanders is kind of iffy. He hasn't really been practicing this week. He's questionable to play. Where are we at with these wide receivers? Because, again, 14.5-point favorites could be a, a big-time spot here for the Bills' offense. Yeah, obviously a huge believer in Josh Allen. I have him as my quarterback one. The Bills are projected for almost 30 points this week. Obviously, the Falcons' defense, no bueno. The wide receiver stuff is basically impossible. I think that Cole Beasley is <laughs> going to start over Isaiah McKenzie this week. Um, but I have not found any beat reporters kind of giving me any updates on the depth chart. It's also because Cole Beasley and Gabe Davis are just getting back to practice. So maybe we'll learn something on Friday evening when I'm grinding those beat reporters instead of being with my friends and family. Uh, and the other part is just Emmanuel a couple Sanders. more weeks, Aiden. just a right. couple more weeks. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Emmanuel Sanders information is he's not practicing and I actually feel more confident in Gabe Davis than I would Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders has not been good period. Like, Gabe Davis has been better than Emmanuel Sanders down the stretch. And I think that they should move to him regardless. And the fact that Emmanuel Sanders hasn't been practicing the last couple of days, I lean Gabe Davis. But right now, until we get more information, it's impossible to rank these guys. Uh, it's the Steph Diggs show. I do think that the big storyline right here is just Devin Singletary, what he's been doing. I have him inside my top 15 running backs. He's basically a bell cow playing like 70 plus percent of the, of the snaps. It doesn't matter if that's with Zach Moss active or Matt Breida active, and we know as huge favorites, huge team total, and the weather's going to be bad. I think this is a week where we have to be ranking Devin Singletary pretty high. And in wins this year, the Bengals win by double digits. I mean, each of the Bills' last 16 wins, Hayden, 16 wins have been by 10-plus points. That's the longest streak in the NFL since 1950. Isn't that crazy? I mean, this is yep. not a narrow path to victory one-score games. If the Bills are on fire, if, they, if they're going to beat you, they beat you by 10 points plus. Boom. Yeah. Absolutely love it. And when you factor that in with the Falcons not being able to rush the passer at all against anyone, and in fact, they're 
in terms of quarterback pressure rate this season, that's easily the lowest in the NFL. What we saw Josh Allen be so successful at last week against New England was was those extended plays. It was getting outside the pocket. It was creating one-on-ones either with corners or safeties or linebackers or defensive linemen. He's going to have all day here. Yep. He should at least, even with you know the Bills rotating so many offensive linemen, now it feels like they have depth and they're successful against a team that can't rush the passer. Explosion spot. Yeah, I think it is an explosion spot. I think the big difference with Josh Allen, early on in his career, when teams would rush three or four passers and he was just sitting there, he would panic and try to throw the ball and force it. Right now, he's taking the ball and throwing it to dump offs to Devin Singletary like last week. Boom. And he's just figuring all that stuff. And if they're only rushing three or four, that's where you actually get a lot of these plays where he's breaking the pocket because he's sitting there, sitting there waiting for it. And then he can extend the play because no one's rushing on him. He's been the quarterback three in success rate when defenses only bring three or four rushers. And right now, the Fal- the Falcons, they blitz only uh, at the 23rd highest rate. So this could be a situation where Josh Allen just has all time back there. And now they have four or five wide receivers plus Dawson Knox. I don't know. This should be a really big game for him again. Yeah. Devin Singletary and Nick Chubb are tied for the amount of teams they're on in the best ball mania two finals, 41 of the 160. Uh, that's over 25%. Um, and it's in what we talked about with the dump offs, like he was hitting his back foot and hitting that check down. So you either look deep and if that's not open, then boom off your back foot, it's within the structure of the play. And so rather than, you know, linebackers being close to it and converging, he can even then turn around Devin Singletary and make things happen. Yeah, I mean, 54 snaps, 60-something snaps over and over. He he has definitely emerged as their uh, as their top back. It took us long enough, just here until like week 16, and now we get to, get to week 17. All right, do we want to say anything about the Falcons offense? I know we had a question in the chat about Cordero Patterson. As we outlined on the Usage Show, I know coaches say these things, and while they're only seven and eight, and so somewhat still in the playoff hunt here in the NFC, it certainly felt like by his words, Arthur Smith is looking towards to 2022 for a bunch of these veterans, and CPAT just isn't getting the same wide receiver or even running back usage as he was whenever he was on the field earlier this season. He was making explosive plays. Yeah, his role is just worse than it was early on in the season. Obviously, the Falcons are only projected for 15 points this week, too, in Buffalo. You hate to see that. But yeah, 50% of the snaps, 44% of the routes last week, and he's losing the two-minute drill. Uh, I posted this chart in the blueprint where it shows how often a running back is targeted in the, each of those two-minute drills. And right now, Mike Davis is clearly in those two-minute drills situations over Cordell Patterson, which you probably wouldn't think that would be the case because Cordell Batterson is like the better receiver, but it's like the pass protection stuff and all that stuff that is getting in the way here. So I really tanked Cordell Patterson. I have him as my RV 27. Maybe I'm overreacting, but last week he only had 7.1 expected half PPR points. Uh, he says he wants to play safety. So who knows what's going on over there in Atlanta. Uh, but right now I think it's a good spot where to re- uh, use some of that regression where he was averaging right. like just absolutely shredding my model. It's time to earn back some of those points. And I'm 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 kind of still in on on starting Russell Gage. I know he didn't get it oh, last yeah. week. It was four receptions for 39 yards. But don't let like one down performance gloss over the fact that like he's been so consistent for the previous four or five games before then. I mean, six for 62 and a score, 11 for 130, four for 64, 891, and a touchdown all before that. And I understand like Buffalo is 
the second ranked pass defense, according to DVOA. They don't have their number one corner in Trey White. They're not going to the rest of the season. Just in terms of a volume sponge who's making it happen in the intermediate and downfield levels, I do like Russell Gage here in this spot, especially chasing points. Yep, and then obviously Kyle Pitts, love him always. Yes. I know you do. I know you do. Okay, we all do. Let's be fair. I'm not going to be negative about Kyle Pitts. Just get him some more inside the 10-yard touchdowns. Not even just targets. Just some regression that's going to hit us in 2022. Next up, Philadelphia, Washington. Three and a half point favorites. Philadelphia is the last time I checked. But late news here in this game, the identity really of Washington's team, of why they've been successful in the second half of the season, it it isn't working. In that Antonio Gibson is out in the COVID list. Eric Flowers, who's been a starting left guard for them, also on the COVID list. That turnaround almost certainly means they will be out for this game. Uh, They've gotten there with the rush, rushing attack, having positive game script. They've also gotten there defensively in the last few weeks, Hayden, after being so abysmal in the first half of the season on third downs. And now, over the last two teams, they've allowed 41.5 points per game and over 500 total yards defensively against their opponents. Line them up with the Eagles, who have won six of their last eight contests. Yeah, the Washington football team is back on their COVID bs stuff right now with more players getting added to the list i think including william jackson uh crazy stuff for washington they're also saying that kyle allen might rotate in this is kind of like a little sam darnold situation so this is just as ugly as it gets i had to move terry mclaurin way down the rankings he's like wide receiver 30s for me right now and that's me ignoring the fantasy usage model because he's like the wide receiver 64 over the last month he hasn't had over like 12 expected half PPR points in like since week 11. So it's a situation where it's just so bad. Like there's just nobody's good on this team. And the Eagles have been really good against fantasy wide receivers. Darius Slay has had a bounce back campaign in just the way that they're set up. They're not going to let you have the big play. So um, we're at a point where we're, it's basically Terry McLaurin and nobody else for Washington. Well, then let's talk about the Eagles offense and what stands out to me and how I want to phrase this side of the conversation. Miles Sanders dealing with a hand injury. believe he had surgery, something that knocked him out after halftime of last week when he was on pace to maybe get 80, 100 rushing yards. Boston Scott is only on one team in the Best Ball Mania 2 finals this weekend. One out of 160. Bring it home here, Boston. A hundred million, or excuse me, one million bucks to someone's to someone's bank account. A hundred million would be crazy. <laughs> that's next year. Next year, that's, that's a decade three. from now. <laughs> no, next year, a hundred million dollars to first place. We need a lot of people to use promo code the show. Um, Boston Scott is set up to be the RB one if Jordan Howard is out. Jordan Howard has been practicing in limited fashion. His shoulder pads. I'm not sure if you've seen him. They go up to here right now. They're using like these like customized shoulder pads to kind of help him with the stinger. I don't know. It's like a tough situation. I can't tell if he's going to play through it or not. This is something we're going to have to wait for um, for uh, Sunday to figure out. But in practice, the running back drills have gone Boston Scott one, Kenny, G- Kenny Gainwell number two, then Jordan Howard number three. So I think that either way, Boston Scott's likely to start here. But if Jordan Howard's actually out, then it's like time to get really, really aggressive with the Boston Scott ranking. Yeah, I mean, Philadelphia's offensive line. Fantastic. We know how much of a running threat their quarterback is, even if he can be a bit erratic with his passing game. Washington's defense, we know, has been on the COVID list or is on the COVID list, so they can get mashed in the running game. 
And Boston Scott, while early on in training camp by beat writers, was termed potentially like the passing down back. Um, he's more than that, man. I mean, he can be a between-the-tackles bruiser, pick up yards block for him, creating his own. He's a tough, low center of gravity back to bring down. I hope Jordan Howard is healthy. But if not, Boston Scott, a top 12 week, is absolutely within the range of outcomes. And hopefully, hopefully he's there to uh, help all of you win a whole bunch of money. And on top of that, you have Dallas Goddard against some linebackers on the Washington football team that have been, you know, really hit or miss all season long. Jamin Davis hasn't been quite what they wanted out of that first round selection. And Dallas Goddard, you know, dropped a pass last week that hit his back foot and wound up to be intercepted. Was that two weeks ago? Something in recent history. And then Devontae Smith has been fantastic this season as like the only isolated wide receiver that can on that team win down the field at multiple levels. Just the volume hasn't really been there to showcase it. But when we hear about Jamar Chase and and Jalen Waddell and Amon Ross St. Brown, I kind of feel like as we get to the end of the season, Devontae Smith's name's kind of been lost. But again, as an isolated talent and how he creates separation, it's beautiful. His his chart for Matt Harmon, reception perceptions, bunch of green this summer. I'm with you. This is a week for him to, to take advantage of that. The volume is not going to be there. will never be there for him in this offense. But this could be a week where we get a big uh, Devonta Smith game. I haven't like ranked as like a flex play. Like I can't go any higher than that just because the volume has been so, so bad. Yeah. I could also see Dallas Goddard finishing as a top two, top three tight end this week. I think that's in the range of outcomes too. All right. Let's close that game. Go to the next one. Las Vegas Raiders, Indianapolis Colts. Colts favored by seven here. A total of 44 and a half. I'm not so sure exactly what there is to say here, other than the Colts are trying to become the fifth team in the last 30 seasons to start 0-3 and make the playoffs. Um, They know who they are. They know their identity. In neutral, negative situations, Michael Pittman can be absolutely an alpha receiver down the field. And then guess what? Neutral, negative, positive situations. Jonathan Taylor is there to get you over the century mark in, in total yards. Yeah, this seems like weirdly the exact same, but the exact opposite. For fantasy purposes, they each have a bell cow running back that is getting all of the touches. They each have one wide receiver that they use in Hunter Renfro and Michael Pittman. Their tight end spot has been really hit and miss this year, especially with Darren Waller out again. So there's like this game is like not that interesting for fantasy purposes. Um, outside the fact we're just like looking for Carson Wentz news. It sounds like Carson Wentz. Uh, should be able to get cleared by Saturday, assuming he doesn't have crazy COVID complications. And if so, he's going to start. If not, it'll be Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger, definitely a dual threat quarterback. You would have to move uh, Michael Pittman's rankings down a little bit. But if Carson Wentz is out there, uh, I'm not too scared about either one of these defenses. They're both kind of middle of the pack. And I think that Derek Carr can move it against the Colts a little bit with Hunter Renfro. And we know Jonathan Taylor can shred this run defense for the Raiders. I hate phrasing it this way, but typically when we have a quarterback who is third in the NFL in total passing yards, we'd get a little more excited. I'm just not excited about like this Raiders offense right now. And that's who Derek Carr is. He's number three in the NFL, only behind Tom Brady and Justin Herbert with 4,363 yards. We have very much outlined the success of their offense with Henry Ruggs. And without it, it's almost totally different. Um, And we know that the Colts, their defense has changed quite a bit this season. And part of that is they are running hotter than anyone in terms of creating turnovers. I mean, how they are able to peanut punch it, 
create these interceptions. And it's not like Derek Carr this year has been that safe with the football in comparison, in comparison to other years. I mean, he has 12 interceptions this year so far. That's the highest number since the 2017 season. So again, maybe individual talents because Darius Leonard has missed some time on the COVID list. And we know DeForest Buckner has been great. Kenny Moore is one of the best slot corners in the NFL, but as a unit, this Colts defense is coached so well and are super, super aggressive and advantageous with turnovers. I've got a little mini rant about Derek Carr. Do it. Way. No quarterback has accounted for more of his yards this year than Derek Carr with the Raiders. The Raiders offensive line is not good. Their receivers yep. are really bad without uh Henry Ruggs. Darren Waller hasn't been there and he's still third in passing yards. I think that we overlook Derek Carr because what he did previous year and he was not being aggressive, but those interceptions are up because he's like willing to take the ball and throw it downfield. And that is good news for Derek Carr. So I think Derek Carr is one of these teams this offseason where very tradable contract. I'm sure if Derek Carr is looking around this, this Raiders organization and be like, could anyone help me out? Could we get a defense? Could we get an offensive line, a receiver, anything for me? I think if you're like a Browns team or a Steelers team or one of these teams that is in the market, a Saints team that has a defense and some skill guys that could win, and you just need a quarterback. Derek Carr is the guy. I think that he's a top 10 quarterback. He's played like it all year. His numbers back it up, and he's doing this with nobody. The fact that he's leading the league in, he's like 81% of the Raiders' yards this year are because of yeah. Derek Carr. That's nuts. So I think that we need to put a little bit more respect on Derek Carr. I know the games can get super bad, and it hasn't been a good stretch for him, but he has so, 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 so little to work with. And the fact that he's elevating this team to at least be functional, and they're legitimately in the playoff mix right now is, I think, a credit to Derek Carr. I want to see him in an offense that like the Browns offense. I think that would be pretty sick. That quarterback carousel is going to be so much fun. Can't wait to do one of those shows, especially because it kind of feels like Aaron Rodgers might be staying with the Green Bay Packers. At least that, that decision is going to happen much sooner than maybe we were expecting this off season. Derek Carr with Sean Payton makes just a ton of sense. man. I'd love that. That makes so much sense to me because really the Raiders have to go back to the drawing board in order to get back potentially what they had with Derek Carr earlier this season when it was such a beautiful passing offense, when he was the highest in terms of attempting 20-plus yard throws in the NFL. And that was after, you know, spending a top 20 selection on the fastest wide receiver in the draft. And when it's that successful, you don't think you would have to, you know, go back in and, and try to do that all over again. But they obviously, they obviously have to. Okay. That was a good written hand. Glad you've been saving that one. Jacksonville Jaguars, New England Patriots, 16-point favorites. The Patriots are here, a total of 41 and a half. You know, just a Bill Belichick coach defense that destroys rookie quarterbacks against a rookie quarterback who is objectively in the worst situation in the NFL this season. Is there anything else we need to say about the Jacksonville offense, especially with, you know, James Robinson have this contest with Achilles injury. No, we don't yeah. need to say anything. They're projected for 12 and three quarters points. <laughs> 12. I think this is the first time in a long time I've seen a team total that starts with a 12. That is ridiculous. And then the other side, the Patriots, they're actually tied for first in projected points at 29 and a quarter points. They're tied with the Bucks and the Bills. So I think we need to spend our time Who's scoring these touchdowns for the Patriots? Because this is a huge deal for fantasy purposes. Your Hunter Henrys, your Jacoby Myers, your Ramondre Stevenson's, all Mac Jones, even like nope, you're forgetting to, one name. The I man, know Damian. I know it's Damian, who, but the other guys too. Fifth, fifth in the highest number of teams in best ball media two finals. 
That's our boy, Damian Harris. The number one running back among everyone this year to advance to the Best Ball Mania 2 finals. The man who singularly destroyed the running back dead zone for portions of the season. Not all of it. Damian Harris, and now hopefully is here to win a million dollars for someone. The highest, you just said, projected point toe of the weekend. We got to love the Dame trade. It's happening. It's here. I am ranked RB14 because Ramondre Stevenson is back, and I think that they're going to rotate carries a little bit. Um, But yeah, I mean... This is this is going to be a huge Damian Harris week. We are out of the other names: Ramondre, yeah. Jacoby, Kendrick. People like Kendrick Bourne, uh, Hunter Henry. If you had to pick one player out of that mix to start in the flex or at tight end, do you have a name that you'd circle first? So th- there's a few narratives I think you can paint for how this game is won. Obviously, the Patriots I think want to get back to their winning ways offensively as they reach the playoffs and so much of that this season has been finding, you know, the best five offensive linemen and just running the shit out of the football and running over the defense's faces. They could do that for portions of this game. If they want to, to the tone that I could see Damian Harris getting two touchdowns and I could see Ramondre Stevenson getting two touchdowns. We've seen that with this backfield this season when Damian, Damian got a couple and like JJ Taylor hopped in to get a couple and like Brandon Bolden got one too, or it gets to a point where portions of the season, especially early on when they didn't find their best five offensive linemen, the Patriots said, you know what? We're going to put the ball in, in Mac Jones's hands, give him some confidence, go three wide, go 11 personnel, and win in that manner. Both are going to be successful this weekend, you know? So to answer your question, I think Damien, if I had to rank them, Damien will have the most touchdowns here. Then Hunter Henry, because Hunter Henry, in terms of inside the 10, inside the 20, over the middle of the field, does perfectly place and lofted passes has been outstanding one-on-one with Andrew Wingard let's get it going here our favorite guy in the show uh maybe even a Kendrick Bourne against Wingard too and then next on that list would be Ramondre for me yeah I actually like Jacoby Myers 18.5 and 12.2 expected half PPR points in the last two weeks those two weeks come with Nelson Aguilar on the sideline Aguilar is not supposed to play here again obviously those two games were in catch-up mode we're not going to get that but we all get the Matchup advantage. Yeah, I'm 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 mostly with you. This is the Dame train. I we can also see two pick sixes in this game, too. So this is yeah, this is I didn't rank any of the other non-Damian Harris players too high because I think it's like I think you're gonna get like one defensive touchdown, two Damian Harris touchdowns, and then like the rest fight for like one touchdown. But y- you can do worse than trying to throw a dart in this offense this week. I mean, it's time to cement Damian Harris's name among the Sony Michelle playoff Super Bowl push that the Patriots had when he had like six touchdowns in that playoffs uh, race. Then LeGarrette Blunt, who had like 16 touchdowns or 19 touchdowns that one season. Um, let's get Damian Harris going in these final two weeks and, and let's get that done. Quicker than the Jaguars. End. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, on the Jaguars end, it's Dario Ugunbowale season. I think the chat's up. getting fired up about this and I get it. He had 15.6 expected half PPR points last week. He's going to catch passes. I think he only lost one snap after James Robinson left last week. So I think this is Dare's backfield, and he has been a passing down back. So you have to assume that he's going to catch some passes. So, yeah, he's in the mix. It's just tough looking at that 12 and three-quarter point team total, what to do with that. But he will be on the field a ton this week. So I have him like in the... Boom, bust, flex range for me. 
Yeah, that, that's the name I was going to bring up too because we always talk about running back insurance. It's tough when it's a what 16 point spread unless it's you know full point PPR and like this is just a gross nasty way to get there. Uh, just hoping for check down receptions and we also have seen like Trevor Lawrence won't necessarily throw checkdowns in those environments too. By the way, a couple of notes on Trevor Lawrence here. Um, this environment is so awful. John Shipley, Stephen Ruiz pointed this out. In a goal line situation, when then offense coordinator Daryl Bevel and Brian Schottenheimer create some space by motioning some players out, the only players who are out in routes, Chris Manhurts, Jamo Shaughnessy, both tight ends, both not good receivers, then starting defensive tackle Malcolm Brown, backup left tackle Walker Little. What a shitty environment to be in. And that has led us to Trevor Lawrence having more tackles than touchdowns passes in his last eight games. He has one tackle Dude. and zero passing touchdowns in the last eight games. I mean, what are we doing here? That that one play, that wasn't like left tackle backup left tackle, like sneaking <laughs> out like as a tight end. No, they moved him out wide. They got him detached from the offensive line, running like a legitimate drag route. That was, I mean, what are we doing here? It's so, so ridiculous. I'm still buying everyone's who's selling sh- shares and, and stocks of, of Trevor Lawrence because I just believe in him as an individual talent. But that's that's a deep dive you got to do this summer for sure. Okay. I think we covered that one quite a bit. Let's go on over to another game with a 13-point-plus spread. Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road against the New York Jets. 45-and-a-half total in this game. So the Bucs. Antonio Brown came back last week. Caught about nine for 101. Looked fantastic. We highlighted it in like five of the six games he played this season. He has acted like their wide receiver one. I mean, he's put up that production. He's been hyper-efficient. He's creating separation. Now, this week, he's missed a boatload of practices. We know Chris Godwin is out for the year. Mike Evans is off the COVID list, but still dealing with an injury. And I don't think Leonard Fournette is expected to be back in this game either. So, again, we had a game where because of injuries to other wide receivers, names like Tyler Johnson and Brashad Perryman and so on and so forth tried to step up, and it just, like, did not work out. The Jets suck, but... Are we going to wind up in another situation just like that, where we're trying to guess who the most productive wide receiver is on a team that's expected to score a whole bunch of points here with middling talents? Yeah, Antonio Brown tweaked his ankle today, so now he's a game-time decision. Really do not like that. Mike Evans, hopefully he plays. Do not know. It's too early to tell. If, you, if both of them are active, you're starting both of them. If they're inactive, then you can start chasing the Brashad Perriman, the Cyril Grayson, the Scotty Millers, but those are going to be very, very tough plays. I think this is just Ronald Jones week. I mean, I have him in the top five. It's obviously a game where the Bucks can run the ball. Rojo looked fine as a rusher last week. That Panthers front seven was really getting after it. The Jets front seven will not get after it. No. So I have Ronald Jones ranked really high. Um, 16 point ex- expected half PPR points. I think that he could be the player that you need this week. Um, especially if Antonio Brown is gutting through an injury. Same thing with Mike Evans. All of a sudden, it's just going to be Gronk and Ronald Jones left. Yeah, again, Antonio Brown, in terms of his yards per game, receptions per game, the only players that have averaged more this season are Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams. So even if and the ankle injury was really bad, um, I think faking his COVID card 
forced people to forget that like it was a much more significant injury than previously reported by you know Buck's personnel at the time, and it gave him you know a little bit more time to recover from that. I, I, I'm not sure what to to think of this game, like you're saying, other than um, other than Ronald Jones, because like Cyril Grayson is the one who went off last week, and you can't bank on a 61 yeah. yard reception, you know? Yeah, yeah. We're just gonna have to follow the beat reporters on Sunday. I got uh, one okay. real quick. Yeah, go ahead. My worst play of the week: Braxton Berrios. I have Braxton Berrios ranked as my wide receiver 35. This is assuming Jameson Crowder is not going to play and Elijah Moore. All of a sudden, Berrios has averaged 8.1 expected half PPR points in his last three games. Those came with Jameson Crowder mostly in the lineup. Braxton Berrios is their best receiver on that's left on the team, and we know that they're going to be trailing a bunch of points, and the team that's giving up the highest neutral pass rate against them is the Buccaneers. So everything's going his way. I think this will be a week where Michael Carter has to catch passes. No Tevin Coleman on on the field. So Michael Carter is going to go into almost a little mini bell cow uh, role like he had last week. I think that this will be a week where Zach Wilson has to throw the ball to Michael Carter. So I think Braxton Berrios and Michael Carter are going to be your garbage time heroes of week 17. Yeah, a couple more just... Random notes to close out this conversation here. Ronald Jones is on 16 of the 160 Best Ball Mania 2 finals teams. Brashad Perryman is on eight of those after being drafted just under 11,000 drafts versus like 13,000. Thanks, Leone. Um, then a couple more random things from NFL research. This stuff is crazy. The 22-year age gap between Tom Brady and Zach Wilson is the largest between two starting quarterbacks since at least 1950. And one final note, Zach Wilson had a 52-yard rushing touchdown last week, the longest by a quarterback in Jets history. Tom Brady has 27 career rushing touchdowns and gained a combined 50 yards in all of those scores. So the one Zach Wilson touchdown run last week encompasses all of the yardage that Tom Brady has in his career in terms of rushing touchdowns. Just fun fun stuff. That was some of the worst defense I've ever seen on that Zach Wilson so touchdown. Bad. What the hell? <laughs> We need to investigate the Jack. That was one of the most blatant tanking situations I've ever seen with between that really and, the, and the the last drive. My goodness. Okay. Let's go Wingard, on over to. Of course. <laughs> of course, that's our dude, Wingard. Yeah. Never made 42 look even uglier, even though it's the one of the worst numbers out there. Giants, Bears, speaking of ugly, six point favorites. The Bears are. I don't know if we've had a total that much lower than 37 all year long. And it's because. I know Justin Fields is questionable. Do we have any update on that dynamic? Because we got Nick Foles last week, who, not bad. Kind of shows you that maybe going out there and spending $10 million on Andy Dalton wasn't the wisest decision, but they kind of had to do it just to save face. Meanwhile, on the Giants' end, it's a combination of Mike Lennon and Jake Fromm last week that led us to absolutely nothing here. Yeah, the Bears, It you can't start anybody in the past game. Cole Komet is the most inefficient tight end according to my model this year uh darnell mooney has splits with alan robinson alan robinson should be back but he lost 10 pounds because of covid so i mean it doesn't matter andy doll nick Foles, who cares doesn't matter it's just david montgomery on that end on the other side i have a little interest and this is almost as bad as my fraction various love is kenny galladay sterling shepherd on injured reserve Darius Slayton on the COVID list. Kadarius Tony hasn't practiced because of a shoulder. 
I mean, at some point, it has to go to Kenny Galladay. Does it? John Ross. Like, is John Ross still out there? Um, so, yeah, Kenny Galladay. Dante Pettis? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, goodness gracious. Like, you're making my point for me. It's, it has The <laughs> ball has to go to Kenny Galladay here. So, I have him ranked in the flex conversation. Right. This should be, like, his highest targeted game of the year. Hayden, your team's aft. Yes, 100%. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm at least trying. Right. Um yeah, we talked about the usage show. Galladay and Kadarius Tony have combined for zero touchdown receptions this season. Uh, and the more and more Kadarius Tony, who's not going to play in this game, was riding the bike here on Friday at practice, uh, just missing time, the more and more in I'm going to be in 2022. Here's my pitch to you. I think one of our first shows of the offseason, I promise to not look at any best ball 2022 drafts and just go up and down the ADPs and and see which ones I think are values. Just like first look at all the ADPs and be like, oh, I'm all the way in on Kadarius Tony. At where I should going. make you guess the ADPs. Right. Like get 15 players. and you Just a to total guess. first look and just promise yeah, the viewers no and the listeners that I have not looked at it before that point. And just like instant reactions based on I like it. Um, there is a little intrigue in this game because the Bears traded their first round pick in this upcoming draft to the Giants as part of the draft night trade to go and get up to Justin Fields. So, you know, some 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 draft status is at play here in this game. I think that's enough, though. There. Okay. Arizona, Dallas, 4 o'clock window. Let's roll that damn swipe before we get there. Boom. There it is. Fun game here to start off the 4 p.m. slate. Hayden, the... Dallas Cowboys are six-point favorites, 51.5 total. The Cardinals started seven and eight. Now they've lost five of their last eight. Sorry, they started seven and one. Now they've lost five of their last eight. Um, this is kind of a trend here for Cliff Kingsbury. I'll bring up the visual, but man, oh man, during his history, not just with the Arizona Cardinals, but also with the Texas Tech Red Raiders, starting off really beautifully in games one through seven, then the rest of the season, He's 16 of 43 combined of that as a head coach. Different teams, different environments, different levels of football, same results. What gives? Well, I mean, it helps when you're in college and the first three games of the year are against freaking <laughs> Division Four teams with playing Golden West College. Good and then the last couple of games, it's, oh, we're playing the bowl games against the actual good team. So, like, this chart was tilting me. I get it. Yeah, Kyler's been hurt and they've been worse and Rodney Hudson's been out and all that stuff, but Hudson's supposed to come back. And I think that's going to be good news for Kyler Murray. His uh, EPA per play is much higher um, with Rodney Hudson back because the center isn't snapping the ball over his head for safeties nonstop. Um, But yeah, I have some concerns about the Kyler Murray offense right now. It's super boom bust. And I don't think that they have the um, they're not changing up their offense enough but I do think that they'll be able to move the ball. Both these teams play with so much pace and the Cowboys defense is very good, but they're also very turnover driven. And I think that you can move the ball in terms of yardage, especially through the air against them. So I think that Christian uh, Kirk and Kyler Murray are both in play. I just don't think that we should expect the efficiency to stay the same because basically they're just using Anton Wesley um, in the exact same spot as DeAndre Hopkins. And like those two, just like you can't even compare them. Uh, So yeah, it's just a situation where, 
The Cardinals are going to be likely chasing points. I really like the Cowboys against the spread and all that stuff. I think that the Cowboys, this is going to be another week where they could have the most points um, of the week, and we can get to them in a second. But I think that Kyler should be fine here. Yeah, and DJ Humphreys at left tackle is on the COVID list too. So just as they get Ronnie Hudson, who we have outlined being so important to them in both the running game and in, in pass protection sets, they lose their their left tackle. And again, while DeAndre Hopkins was not as productive this season as he was last year, and a lot of that was they just weren't feeding him as many targets, it truly helps to have someone out there who in a one-on-one situation you can throw it up to and he can win for you. You can trust him to go up and get it. And that's just not the case of Antoine Wesley. And sadly, it's obviously not the case for A.J. Green. Um, so that just changes your offense, even though like the production wasn't completely massive. The intrigue here, though, is how great the Cardinals' offense has been on the road. I mean, they've averaged 30 points per game on the road, two and a half takeaways. At the same time, they're seven and one in road games this year. That's the highest win percentage in the NFL. Meanwhile, the Cowboys are incredible at home. 38.4 points per game at home. 426 total yards, both most in the NFL. And we outline it every single week with the Cardinals defense. Not a bunch of name brand talents. The coaching has been very good. Their run fits have been abysmal. And I know Zeke has not gotten a massive workload over, let's say, the last month. A lot of that is because they've been up 24 to nothing, 34 to nothing at halftime. So he gets rested a lot in the second halves. If they need him in this game, we could potentially see a, what, 15-20 touch Ezekiel Elliott and land him as a top seven, top eight running back this week. Yeah, it's a little more optimistic than I am, but I think that's definitely in the range of outcomes. I was looking at the pass game for the Cowboys because cornerback one, Robert Alford on injured reserve, cornerback two, Marco Wilson, who's been a full-time player on the outside, he's suddenly out. So they the Cardinals are bringing in Bashad Breeland, who just got kicked off the Vikings team who also tested positive for Miss Rona this week. He's going to go in there and be the number one against Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup on the outside. I don't really like what the Cardinals defense is going to do. They're just missing so many bodies right now. So I think that's going to be a game to get Dak Prescott projected for the most points and CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper, all those guys in to the lineup. Basically, if you have a Cowboys, you have to start them this week. And it's one of the games where they're not weather affected either. Right. Just to outline this, C.D. Lamb is on 10 of the 160 Best Ball Mania 2 Finals teams. Amari Cooper's on 27 of them. And Michael Gallup may be the one. He's also on 10. So C.D. and Gallup are on the same number, and Amari Cooper's all the way up at uh, at 27. Yeah, this game should be fireworks if the Cardinals can keep up. I think that's the biggest question, is if the Cardinals can uh, keep up in that equation. Um. My favorite fantasy play of this game is Chase Edmonds, though. Like James Conner's supposed to miss again. He had 21 expected happy PR points because of some of their struggles at receiver. You know you're going to get some checkdowns from him. Yeah. I think especially if they're trailing a, by a lot of points, you're going to see some of those plays. He's been super efficient whenever he gets the ball, and there's not really a threat behind him. So I think Chase Edmonds, as we saw last week, another huge performance here. Uh, I, I think him chasing a couple points isn't such a bad thing. Yeah. Demarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory, Michael Parsons, you got your starting center back, but you just lost your left tackle. Uh, I mean, that's a recipe for not failure, but struggle, but it's going to be a recipe for a struggle for anyone. This Cowboys team's faces now and in the playoffs. I'm so glad this Cowboys team is like really, really 
coming along at this very point because they are so, so, so fun to watch. Um, okay. Continue on the four o'clock window. Denver Broncos, Chargers, LA, six and a half point favorites at home. Total of 45 and a half in this game. The Chargers have allowed 21 plus points in 11 straight games. They've allowed opponents to convert on 51% of third down attempts this season. That's the highest rate in the NFL. Brandon Staley, defensive-minded head coach, more so just, you know, someone looking upon the whole realm and making good decisions, we think. But I think, as we've talked about, at least in the Monday show, it's fair to question the success, but also throwing in some context that they've missed a whole bunch of defensive talents. Is that going to hurt them, though, against a Denver Broncos team that passing the ball, awful, running the ball, their strength against the weakness of the Chargers defense? Yeah, I can promise you Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams are going to try to run the ball here. I think that the Chargers are going to be poor, but they're not going to be as bad because they get Bosa back, Derwin James back, Justin uh, Justin Jones back. I mean, this team is going to get some bodies back. Last week was going to be their worst game of the year. Um, I think the other side of the ball is more interesting because of what the Broncos have been doing to Justin Herbert when they played against each other the first game. 86% of Herbert's dropbacks came with three or four rushers. The Broncos were rushing with three or four on almost every single play and just throwing a bunch of zone defense behind him. So this is going to be a game where Justin Herbert's getting some players back. Corey Lindsley's back. Jalen Guyton's back. Mike Williams back. Austin Eckler is also back. But they're missing their backup right tackle storm Norton, who's been one of the worst. So I couldn't even imagine who the backup is, but <laughs> it's going to be a situation where I think they're going to try to make them dink and dunk here in the last game. The chargers only scored 13 points. I think you're going to see that same blueprint. This is going to be, I think a pretty slow paced, ugly type of game. I like the chargers chances just because of the quarterback difference. Um, and the chargers last week were missing about seven of their top 10 players and they're getting most of those guys back here. Just to outline it, here is the passing chart that Justin Herbert had against the Denver Broncos the uh, the first time that they played. And I know people who tune into the show every single week, we truly appreciate you. Like and subscribe down below. Um, but it's the too high stuff. It's shells. It's preventing big plays. Fangio was the one to push this in the forefront of the NFL. And Justin Herbert, we know, is someone who wants to launch passes vertically. It's been the difference other than going for it on fourth downs, which Brandon said has been very aggressive and wins the season. The difference of what he makes versus everyone else, because he can make throws on the backside in one-on-one situations. Other quarterbacks cannot. So the Broncos investing so much at quarterback, the Broncos investing so much at safety. Uh, this is when it plays such a big role. And we also last week, Hayden had a massive Justin Jackson performance. And now you get Austin Eckler back. So like someone that got you to the finals, potentially you can't use him in this environment either. Yeah. I have Eckler back to where I normally rank him. Mike Williams, boom bust. Mike Williams, one of those players who likely symptomatic and is coming off the COVID list. So I think he becomes even more boom bust. And I don't like his actual matchup uh, just for that. The reasons that you just outlined going back, because I think people want the Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon takes. I have him on the RB2-3 border. I don't think that we can ignore the team total, which is really low. I don't think we can ignore Drew Locke, what he's doing to tank this offense. 
And Javante Williams, only 10.8 expected half PPR points over the last month with Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon right in that range, too. So I think you can bet on efficiency. You can bet on explosive plays. But Vegas doesn't think that they're going to have too many of them because they're projected for so few points. And I don't think that what we saw last week is going to be the exact blueprint uh, against the Chargers. They're they're getting just too many bodies back. So I have them as you can call them upside RB2s, but I think they belong closer to like the RB20 than like the RB12. Yeah. Again, one final note on that charge offense for the Broncos defense. Broncos defense has allowed 18 points or fewer in 10 games this season. That's the most in the NFL, which is staggering when we consider the, you know, defensive conversations across the league. The Chargers have 18 plus points in eight of their last nine games. I think you said this. I wasn't 100% listening. Keenan Allen week, baby. Like, Big Keenan Allen game in terms of the short to intermediate stuff over the middle of the field. I think that like that is the pathway for for the Chargers to have a bunch of success. He's gonna have to um he's gonna have to imitate some Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor stuff to get this done. You know, those those shorter gains rather than going for it for it deep. Those shots are gonna be few and far between here. So next up. Houston Texans, San Francisco 49ers. At least there's some something new here because Almost certainly, despite not outright saying it, we get Trey Lance at quarterback here for the San Francisco 49ers in a spot where they're 12 and a half point favorites, a total of 44 against a bad defense in the Texans. Your thoughts, your predictions, what you hope to see here from the rookie. I might be too high on him. I have him as my quarterback too this week overall because of the team total on Pinnacle. It's at 30. Point five, which is the highest. Other places have it closer to 29. Either way, he's he has either the highest projected or the second or third highest projected team total of the week. What they did with him um, in his first start, he had 16 carries. Uh, 12 of them were designed runs. Four of them were scrambled. Those 16 carries combined were the fourth most carries in a single game by a quarterback all season. That team total, that amount of carries it's already enough to throw him into the upside QB one conversation. And right now, Trey Lance, Debo or Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, all ready to go. So um, this is a bet against his in-pocket play. I've been hearing a bunch of narratives about how much he's developed over the last month. He's doing the scout team. There's a lot of that. Even like Fred Warner and Bosa, everyone's like, oh, he looks so much better. I mean, it makes sense to me. Like he's just getting more reps and see, like he's going to be a little bit more comfortable and it helps when you have that amount of weapons. So it's a bet against his in-pocket play. Just real quick out of 45 quarterbacks with at least 88 dropbacks, Trey Lance is dead last in success rate and 43rd in completion percentage over expected. So there, there are legitimate in-pocket concerns. If you're looking at the sample size over the cross of the year, but I think there's just too many other things going on in his favor. So I'm going to be extremely aggressive in my Trey Lance ranking. Lots of layers to this one. We're showing his passing chart on YouTube if you're listening to the podcast feed. It is so different than what Jimmy Garoppolo is asked to do on a weekly basis. And when you go back and watch that game, again, it was against the Cardinals here in week five, his lone start of the season. You mentioned the called runs. So often when a play caller has to go to the backup quarterback or a young quarterback or someone for their first start, they imitate a lot of the successful plays that happened with the the previous quarterback. 
that wasn't the case here with Kyle. Like he put the game on Trey Lance's shoulders and said, Hey man, you got to make plays for me with the ball in your hands. And you got to make plays for me outside the numbers and down the field. It was so much hit or miss in this game. I do wonder again, week five is so long ago, so long ago. If things have changed, if we can buy into some of that Fred Warner telling him to be a bit more aggressive during scout team work and his development changing and that type of stuff. But I also can't, gloss over the fact that the plan wasn't for Trey Lance. It had to have not been to barely play this season. You know, we saw it in the preseason. He was brought in for certain packages, especially near the goal line. And I really think that like, they just haven't been pleased with his development as a whole, or else we would have seen him at earlier portions of the season, not necessarily starting, which was a possibility, but at least for phases of the game. And that was just non-existent this season. I'm so glad he gets this opportunity, though, as massive favorites in a strong spot to hopefully catapult him into the 2022 season. Yeah, we just have to promise ourselves whatever happens this game, we have to draw massive conclusions about <laughs> Trey Lance for the rest of his career and best ball next year. So, yeah, I I, I I agree with that. I think that they're they're They had to have been a little disappointed. Yes, that he wasn't playing. Um, I do think that Jimmy G was being efficient. At least we can say if he was good or not, but he's at least being efficient that there was reasons why they just kept sticking with him. But yeah, I'm very curious to see what they do. If it's going to be the run heavy approach and just keep using them on design stuff, or if they're going to try to let him sit in the pocket a little bit more. Right. Um, I, I, I do think young players, players that work their ass off, which apparently Trey Lance does. I would guess that they get better throughout their season, even if they aren't starting right. a little bit. So I'm expecting relatively good things as a passer. And, it helps when you just throw the ball four yards uh, to Debo Samuel and he takes it for 75-yard touchdowns. True. true. Um, no Eli Mitchell, right? Like, I know he's still been limited. Maybe. Like, we're not expecting him. Maybe. I mean, that that would be huge. That'd be huge for – and I'll get to some of the roster players here in Best Ball Mania 2 finals. But, yeah, I, again, I want to outline this because Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt in the middle of that week four game. Trey Lance stepped in. And so an offense that was game-planned around Jimmy Garoppolo, he was doing very similar things in terms of over the middle of the field. And then when he had a week to prepare for his first start, this looks totally different and totally separate. The theory of the play of going to and drafting and trading up for Trey Lance was to allow him to create things once you know the, the rhythm of the play call has fallen through to create outside the structure. You're going to get someone who is going to hold on to the football far longer, far longer than Jimmy Garoppolo does out there. Uh, another note, there's one person that really does want Trey Lance and his development to shine inside the structure of the pocket, Hayden. And that's the one person that has George Kittle in the best ball man in two finals. Of 160 teams out there vying for a million dollars, there's only one share of George Kittle. That's pretty amazing thinking of what he did in that three, four, five week span a couple weeks ago. And I think there's only a couple, maybe three that have Trey Lance. I can't wait. I'm already mentally preparing for this. The Trey Lance to win the million, somebody a million dollars after starting for two games. It just happened to be in the finals. So yeah, this is, this is one of the most classic best ball storylines. If you were with us arguing about where Trey Lance should go, what his upside is and stuff for him to do nothing, have one of the lowest advance rates of the year and then to win somebody a million dollars, that would just be the best. Chef kiss. The Chef best. kiss. Yeah, there are three shares of Trey Lance of the 160 and only two for Elijah Moore as well. Uh, man, oh, man. Do we need to say anything about the Texans here? Rex Burkhead, what a story last week. Um, he hadn't had over 60 yards rushing at any point prior to that game uh, and just was dicing up people, as Hayden alluded to with the Chargers. 
getting to that second level against that backup safety. He was making a miss. He was also making people miss in the backfield too. I have yet to do a full deep dive on Davis, Davis Mills and his talent, and I'm excited to do that after the season. There's just too many things of in-contention teams to do it at this moment. Yeah, and we are, we're busy with the COVID news. Like, there's no time to like <laughs> do film study right now. Like, I would love to be a national reporter and to be able to do that, but I'm trying to grind expected half PPR points for Rex Burkhead, <laughs> and he had 19.8 of them last week. Uh, it all comes down to David Johnson. David Johnson went on the COVID list, I think, on Monday. Um, he was also dealing with an injury, so he hasn't been practicing. We don't know if he's going to be playing or not. I would guess Rex Burkhead is going to start again and have a decent workload, but they are projected for so few points. Um, and this could be a situation where the 49ers build a lead. They always play really slow. I think they'll even play slower with Trey Lance. They could run the ball even more with Trey Lance. And then like all of a sudden the Texans run 45 plays and you're kind of just shit out of luck. Yeah. How is Davis Mills going to fare against the 49ers defensive backs? Like easily their worst unit who give up a whole bunch of big plays down the field on third downs, but that offensive line could also get wrecked by the 49ers pass rush. One final stat as we close this game. Debo Samuel is the first player in NFL history with 1,200-plus receiving yards and 300-plus rushing yards in a single season. That's why he's out here breaking the Hayden Winks models. That's why. It's tough. It's tough. Um, yeah. Okay. Getting close here to the end of the 4 o'clock window. Longest show of the year. That's what this one's going to be. Uh, let's go on over the Carolina Panthers and the – New Orleans Saints, we have to. We don't have to spend that much time on it because the Saints aren't naming a starter at this time, at least when the show is recording. Meanwhile, the Panthers have named a starter, and that is in Sam Darnold, and I can't answer the question of which one's worse. I mean, <laughs> come on. I will take Sam Darnold over Ian Book. I am willing to admit that. Uh, I, there is some fantasy notes with the Panthers. DJ Moore has averaged 13.7 expected half PPR points with Sam Darnold. That drops to 11.3. So that's like a two and a half point difference with Sam Darnold. We should expect them to pass the ball a little bit more. This yeah. is a man heavy team. DJ Moore, when you're looking at yards per route run versus man coverage, he has over a yard or close to a yard better than Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall. So obviously DJ Moore is the best man beater. He has the splits with Sam Darnold. I don't, they hate DJ Moore as like an upside wide receiver three this week. I can't really get to starting anybody else in this game outside of Alvin Kamara. Yeah, we've seen the Saints defensive line take over some offensive lines. And we've seen the offensive line of the Panthers get destroyed by a bunch of defensive lines. That's where it kind of comes down to me. DJ Moore is on 10 of the teams in Best Ball Mania 2 finals. Good luck to you. Good luck to you people. Uh, on the Saints, and yeah, I mean, you mentioned it's Alvin Kamara. Tough to really start anyone else. Stefan Gilmore is going to be out of this game. CJ Henderson is questionable to play in this game, but they don't have any really pass catchers to take advantage of that. So I guess that's it. I moved Marquez Callaway up. I moved Marquez Callaway up from uh, wide receiver 66 to wide receiver 62 with those injury notes. Do you see the new Joe person report that like while he's expected to have the 2022 season, there's some people who are very unhappy with Matt rule inside their organization, even agents saying that there are players from Baylor and Temple on that roster that wouldn't make other rosters across the NFL. Uh, yeah. Fun stuff for a team that still doesn't have their quarterback. Lions, Seahawks, seven-point favorites, Seattle is, a total of 42 and a half. There's so many names to hit on here. Rashad Penny on Seattle side, but Hayden, 
I feel like it's only fair if we start on the Detroit Lions end of this equation. We get Tim Boyle back as a starting quarterback with Jared Goff out. But the player who is number three with the amount of teams in the best ball mania two finals, none other than the post by rookie bump poster boy himself, Amon Ra St. Brown, 46 of 160 teams, 28.75%, a player who in the first 10 weeks, we didn't care about. And now, as soon as we hit the playoffs, as soon as money goes straight into your pockets, the living legend himself, ARSB, is putting green in wallets. What do you think? Post by Rookie Bump, young Trojans thriving. It couldn't be better for me. Perfect for the brand. Amon Ross St. Brown. I still have him as my wide receiver 18 this week. That is including DeAndre Swift coming back. I do think that is going to matter for Amon Ross St. Brown because some of those scheme touches are less likely to go to him. DeAndre Swift is practicing in full. The coaches have said that it's nice to have a fresh player on the team. Everyone else is battling through injuries. All of a sudden, DeAndre Swift working through a shoulder injury. He's actually able to run. So I think that they're going to get DeAndre Swift heavily involved. That should hurt Amon Ross St. Brown a little bit, but he's just been too good. And it's, he's got the best role still. Um, and they're going to be chasing points here. The Seahawks cornerback group is not scary to me. Uh, the weather is going to be a concern. This is one of those mm. games on Sunday. We have to keep uh, in the back of our mind, but I think that Amon Ross St. Brown has earned the benefit of the doubt. I have moved him down the rankings this week versus the last couple of weeks when he's been, you know, a top five wide receiver in the NFL. I mean, it's so crazy. It's so crazy. It actually makes me think about end season best ball, which I wish I had done way more of those. Um, you take the veterans who you have a more defined role for, and then take a whole bunch of rookies in the later portions that everyone is down on because they haven't done anything yet. The Elijah Moores, the Amon Ross St. Browns, and they can have three, four, five, seven weeks for you in the second half of the season. The post by Ricky Bump is absolutely absolutely a real thing that's what um, we should name the tournament is the post by rookie bump tournament, tournament. the mid-season one yeah <laughs> no, that's get that's giving the the the, the winning the winning formula away to the people mm. i need to win some of that cash uh yeah you mentioned deandre swift dan campbell said that deandre swift will quote cut him loose if he returns here in this game sucks for craig reynolds just a little bit who we had seen have two great weeks i know jamal williams bounced back last week we're going to have a much bigger conversation on the Swift, who I think you mentioned is going as top 12 in yes. ADP ahead of 2022 best ball and how much of a better team, the boost that gives him heading into 2022, but also how he was creating so much of his first half production this season was being down 14, 12 points heading into the fourth quarter and having that like one spectacular explosive play that he took a screen or a dump off 60 yards, 40 yards, 30 yards, for a score, and if that's impacted either for Amon Ra St. Brown or taken away from DeAndre Swift as well. Yeah, I think this week we don't have to worry about it because the Lions are projected to lose by seven. So we're going to get some of those manufactured touches and garbage time stuff. He averaged 16 points in his 10 games, his healthy games this year, DeAndre Swift. So I moved him as my RB15. Uh, I think that's kind of in line, lowers a little bit of the risk of him having a setback and all that stuff, but. Yeah, he's he's right back into the RB1 conversation immediately. And he did get better at forcing missed tackles right before he got injured. We outlined that 
a little bit because I think it was in that game against the Steelers where he was just on fire and making every single person miss. Whereas earlier portions of the season, like his vision or time between the tackles wasn't at his best. So maybe that's just a development key too, but that's going to be a big conversation, at least for me and something I want to have like a firm thought on just singular player evaluation, since he is going to be such a, a hot commodity uh, first round, second round in fantasy drafts. We want to nail those picks on the running back end on the Seahawks. We need to talk about this too. You mentioned weather as a possibility last week, Rashad Penny went off in the snow. I have this crazy theory that snow helps the offense hurts the defense, because at least for a running back, he knows where he wants to go. And defenders are always reacting to that. Um, what's the thoughts on Rashad Penny this week? Can we get another top 12 week out of him? Yeah, I have him a little bit lower than that. The team total's so low. He's not catching that many passes. DJ Dallas played in the two-minute drill, caught a couple passes in it. Rashad Penny is a early down grinder. His expected half PPR points have not been that high. Uh, but he is getting a ton of carries, including the inside the five-yard line touches. So you can see pass to um, him having a decent game. The Lions' run defense is not like a pushover unit. Shout-out to Dan Campbell. will refuse to let that happen. I think he gives each one of his... Uh, front seven players, two venti Starbucks coffees right before the game to get them all jacked up. And it's been pretty effective. So uh, I think Rashad Penny, somebody I'm going to be fading as like a top 15 play does not mean I hate him either. I think I'm going to be a little bit lower than the market, but he's still definitely in play um, as an RB2. I want to look up DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and where they fit here this weekend. Only four DK Metcalf teams are vying for that million dollars. And for Tyler Lockett, uh, just eight. Just eight for players who, you know, were both top, what, six round selections. Obviously, DK was around that two, three turn as well. We have done the one o'clock, the four o'clock slates. It is now over to prime time, just two games. And I'm glad once again, we did this show on a Friday instead of a Thursday because game changing news has hit the Minnesota Vikings. This line moved from about seven and a half all the way to 12 because Kirk Cousins is out of this game, tested positive for COVID here on Friday morning, self-reported symptoms, and he's out. And it's not Kellen Mond, the rookie mid-round pick. It is Sean Mannion. Goodness gracious, we get Sean Mannion in week 16 against the Green Bay Packers, dueling with Aaron Rodgers. So start your studs is a question that is thrown around a lot. And never believed football. it. Are you starting your studs? With Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, with Sean Mannion at quarterback here. Yes, in this case, because those guys are so elite at football that I have to. But like that, like start your studs thing is like, okay, uh, what about that Keenan game where he had a half of a hamstring and he played two snaps? Like we we can't just say that and just like log off. I moved Justin Jefferson down to like wide receiver 13. I think Sean Mannion's averaging like 5.2 yards per attempt over his career. I mean, woof. He's, he's bigger, garbage, man. The bigger why isn't Kellen Mond starting, man? Why? No. Oh, someone's saying I think I think Mond is coming, or excuse me, Manning's coming off the COVID list. Like I think he is this morning. Yes. I could be wrong. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Kellen Mond, I, I know our buddy Chris Sims loved him coming out of Texas AM. He was a bit robotic, like with his motion and things. I think in preseason it was awful. Like he was just working behind Sean Mannion all season long. I know Mannion is also a coach's son, I believe. And that's a narrative here. He backed up Jared Goff for a really long time with the Rams, but he just has no arm. I mean, he just is going to be out there throwing lollipops and rainbows to this Packers defense that 
finally could get Jair Alexander back for this game. Yeah, and this is in seven degree weather. I mean, seven degrees. Oh Come on, gosh. like it's not even snowing and stuff. I think it's literally just seven degrees. Um, I think I would die in that situation. I'm, I'm trying to look, pull up Sean Mannion's hand size. Uh, this could get really ugly uh, for. He said he's a he's a large guy. I'm gonna guess. Let me guess it before you you say it out loud. You can go in mock draftable and find that. I'm going to guess ten and a quarter inches for Sean Mannion for his hand size. Nine, Not there nine, yet? In, nine inches. Oh it no! <laughs> eight percentile for. I have larger ones. Again, you can go on over to Josh Norris's. Maybe I'm even compared to Sean Mannion here over over yeah, on so Mark Draftable. Your comparison is going to just say Josh Norris right here. How great would that be? <laughs> I think I think mine is mine is larger on there than. Look at that. Look There's at that. There's an asterisk next year's though. Oh, that's because <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, Justin Jefferson, just to put in perspective on, on what he's done, he's on pace to be the first player again from NFL research to lead the NFL in receiving yards over his first two seasons since Jerry Rice did it in 1985 and 86. Obviously that doesn't mean he's leading the NFL this season, but that's combining last year with this year. That's just insane, insane stuff. Now I did want to bring up this because you and I, Kirk Cousins can get bashed just bashed by media members. I think a lot of it for portions of this season, he played like a top 10 quarterback, but man, oh man, when I understand getting on him for being unvaccinated, because if you're a quarterback in the league, you're going to miss time. And it's, you know, worse for your team to be unvaccinated. That's just a fact, right? He is getting roasted by beat writers. Jim Suen There is nothing more predictable than Kirk Cousins testing positive before having one last chance to save the jobs of the people dumb enough to have signed him. Brutal. Ethered. I'm not even sure what to say. They hate him, man. Like the the Vikings are due for a little reset. I don't, the contract is very tough to, to, to trade for Kirk Cousins, but Zimmer's gone for sure. And they just need to, they need to reset the whole thing. Okay. On the other end of this one, with the Packers. And by the way, Adam Thielen's out for the year after ankle surgery. Packers have 50-50 Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon. We already outlined that this is Packer weather. It's Devontae Adams. We've had Marquez Valdez Scantling weeks. We had an Alan Lazard week last week where, I mean, some of those pinpoint placement passes that Aaron Rodgers threw to him, like that one-hander along the right sideline. Goodness gracious. Um, The Packers are obviously in line to get that number one overall seed so they can be at home in this weather and force everyone to go to Green Bay in the January and February months. This is like a narrative street dream for A.J. Dillon. You're talking about big point spread at home, the January weather in Lambeau, and all of a sudden A.J. Dillon's going to get 25 carries to run out the clock. So, I like legitimately moved AJ Dillon up with Kirk Cousins out because I think he's going to get more garbage time production here. I, like I have Aaron Jones like in the middle of the RB2 pack. Obviously, they're projected to score a bunch of points, but a lot of Aaron Jones' production over the last couple of weeks has been as a receiver. And AJ Dillon's been splitting a lot of the work near the goal line. So um, I just moved AJ Dillon up. Didn't really move Aaron Jones all that much, but I, I did move AJ Dillon up. I'm buying into all the narratives that go into January football weather. Yeah. 42 and a half total in this game. Someone's mentioning the chat. I saw it this weekend on Twitter, low degree temperatures, just destroy point totals. Don't they 
like seven degree weather. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about the hand size. Like, he's going to be trying to throw in a football like this in the right. cold weather. It's going to be tough. But I had the numbers. Um, give me one second. And and the thing with with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, like, he's taking a lot of shorter receptions. Like, this is a get it out of my hands quickly within the structure of the offense. They can win after the catch. It's very pinpoint passes. But he's not you know, someone who wants to attack vertically over and over and over again. So it's just super highly efficient. Not saying Miami style RPOs, but incorporates a lot of those elements. It just looks different when Aaron is doing them because he changes plays at the line. He makes things happen. He makes these unbelievable tight window throws. But again, it's not this like going to completely attack you at every single level on every single down. Yeah, going back to the points under 15 degree temperatures since the year 2000, there's been 35 games under 15 degrees. They've averaged 42 points. If you go from 16 oh. to 25 degrees, there's 101 games. They've been averaging 44 points. So it doesn't turn into just like an absolute shit show. It's yeah. lower than normal, but it's not an absolute shit show. And I do want to note most of these games have been with the Packers, the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Broncos, you know, John Elway, Peyton Manning, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Brett Favre, and Aaron Aaron Rodgers. So there's a little bit of noise when it comes to that stuff. But I think that they'll be totally fine here. Okay. I think enough there. We'll close it out with Monday Night Football. Cleveland Browns, Pittsburgh Steelers, Cleveland on the road here are three and a half point favorites, a total of 41. I always like to look at strengths, what teams are good at versus weaknesses of the other side. We know the Browns tried to put the game and were forced to in Baker Mayfield's hands last week against the Packers. Brutal. I think we all knew that could happen. The potential of that. Meanwhile, Nick Chubb was outrageous against Green Bay. Five carries of 10 plus yards last week, chunk gains over and over offensive linemen are back. That's the strength of this team. That's where they create their explosive plays. Meanwhile, the Steelers run defense this year. So much conversation about Ben Roethlisberger equally as bad is that they can't stop the run. So again, and why they're favored, I think the strength of the Browns against the weakness of the Steelers here. Yeah. This is going to be completely Nick Chubb and just to steal some of your thunder Looking at the Monday night football game, 26% of the rosters on Best Ball Mania 2 in the finals have Nick Chubb. So this Nick Chubb game will be deciding uh, how much money everyone's winning. So do not count your uh, chickens before they hatch because you have full Chubb coming right down. I can't even finish that. That would be too bad. We'd have to get canceled. Uh, Yeah, on to Austin Hooper and (laughs) Jarvis Landry. Yeah, I think this is going to be a Nick Chubb game. What do you say, Josh? I'm trying to think of something in my head that's somewhat don't count your chubs before they launch or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I know we'll get that. there in the chat. Leave us one. Um, yeah. I mean, you and I just in Slack with Rudman have just been like saying, well, would you have this quarterback or Baker? And I think like the line that we settled on, and this is going to be a conversation for the summer, even though the, you know, the Browns, especially if they win this game and if something happens to the Bengals and they lose in that first game that we talked about against the chiefs, they are right in it for the AFC North. Um, the line that we settled on for Baker, like I'd rather have Tua than Baker at this point. Because yeah, at least you know what you're going to get from Tua every single time out there. And Baker just thinks he has the strongest arm and will win outside of structure. And he can't do either. Yeah, he can't do not either. That's not good. No. Uh, to talk about not good, uh, Big Ben, he sounds like he's going to retire. We knew that was coming anyways. Uh, for this game, 
Uh, Chase Claypool is the one I continue to move down the rankings. Just this game is going to be so slow paced. It's going to be such such a bad game. Pat Firemuth's back to steal some targets from him, and he's just not playing every single down. His usage is just way down. So this is this is not a good good fantasy game. This is just Nick Chubb and get the hell out of there. Uh, we talked about Kadarius Tony earlier on in this in this show in terms of players in 2022 that I am going to be all over um, with a quarterback change. At the very least, all that they have to do is like go out and get, I don't know, Jameis Winston. There's going to be such a huge discount on Chase Claypool. I know he has made some questionable decisions on the field this year. Uh, I'll be all in. Just like the talent to me, I, I cannot get over. And I think we're just going to be able to get that at a discount. I'm talking about at a discount. Yeah. When Derek Carr is the Steelers quarterback, I'm going to Oh, man. In. Oh, man. Give that to me. I'm trying to find Ben Roethlisberger's passing chart the last time he faced the Cleveland Browns. Here it is. Um, I don't even know if it's worth showing here because it's kind of just standard for Big Ben in terms of short and intermediate areas. Because it's been, it's been a weird year for the Browns defense. They invested so much into it Hayden and like at times it's been fantastic and other times it's not he's obviously getting the ball out of his hands so quickly that's going to be tough for Miles Garrett who's questionable dealing with I think a groin injury over and over and over again to get home but yeah just 266 yards on 34 attempts in a score in this game Najee Harris is only on I believe three best ball mania two teams or two uh, in the finals so I know he hasn't had monster games this season at all, but what if he gets one in the finals? Uh, some of those short dump offs go for a touchdown. Yeah, his usage has dropped. It was like at 18 expected half PPR points, and now like the last couple weeks, it's down to 14. I think it's just because the Steelers' offense has just gotten worse in general. But yeah, I still have Najee as my uh, RB12. Deontay just on six. Yeah, Najee just on two. It's ugly. It's just Nick Chubb. Big job. Wow. Amazing. Okay, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. This is one of our best shows of the year. It was. Maybe I should go out of town more often. Um, appreciate everyone. Be like Blaine and subscribe to the channel. We'll be back here on Sunday morning. I'm sure there'll be a, a slew, a wealth of more updates that we'll go through. Hopefully, all of you are in contention for your finals. If not, go and play either Battle Royales for Week 17 over on Underdog or go and play Pick'em. And I love coming up with a 20X Pick'em slip with Animal on Sunday mornings right around 10.50, so be here for that. Um, anything else to say here, Hayden? Good luck to everyone that is in the Best Ball Mania 2 finals, Puppy 1, 2, and 3 finals, Big Dogs finals as well. I cannot tell you how much fun I had during draft season with those draft streams. So many different conversations. We are early when it comes to best ball. I've learned a lot this year and hopefully some of you go home with some awesome cash and winnings at the end of this season yeah we can't play i'm just hoping one of our subscribers wins it like that is what i'm rooting for so scampers tony whoever comes through for us that's what i'm rooting for i love it absolutely love it all right everyone thank you so much for being here appreciate all the listeners on the podcast feed as well we'll see you on monday morning for hayden i'm josh up the villa everyone talk to y'all soon See ya.